Today on Ovias and Gilio, Frank Reich, head coach of the Carolina Panthers, finally gave up play calling duties to offensive coordinator Thomas Brown. Gilio and I will try to have a realistic view of what to expect out of the Carolina Panthers from the bye week on. Plus, we'll tell you how Monday Night Football gave us yet another reason why it's way too early to be making any sort of judgments on Bryce Young and his future with the Carolina Panthers. And we'll deliver what we teased at the end of yesterday's show. Has Dave Dorn, NC State football coach, entered the Herb Sendek zone? Thanks to everybody who has followed us on their favorite podcast platform. Throw us five stars. It's free. All you got to do is just hit the five stars. Cost you nothing, and it truly helps us out. Now, if you want to do something that helps us out financially, go buy a T-shirt. Head on over to breakingtea.com slash OG. 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 Let's podcast alongside Joe Giglio. I'm Joe Ovias inside the Eford Studios downtown Raleigh. Thanks to Empire Properties and thanks to Copiers Plus. Check them out online at copiers-plus.com. You're looking at your costs. You're looking to save money. I mean, I, I know I'm trying to get back on a, some semblance of a budget in the home world. Maybe you're doing that as a small to medium-sized business. An easy way to do it. Much like shaving all those subscriptions to streaming services you never watch anymore. That's wasting money. Same with some of your print costs. And Copiers Plus can get to the bottom of that. Get your print assessment. Check out copiers-plus.com. You don't know what you don't know, right? You'd like to say that? I do. I guess Frank Reich finally admitted he doesn't know what he doesn't know when it comes to trying to run the offense for the Carolina Panthers and Bryce Young as their quarterback. We predicted this yesterday. At 0-6 going into the bye week, something was going to give the most... Check it off the list. The most predictable thing to do when you're looking at the checklist of things coaches will do when the things when, when the block is hot is to change play calling. Do something with your coaching staff to shuffle it up because it's clearly not working. And that's exactly what Frank Reich did yesterday when it was reported. And then he had a press conference announcing that Thomas Brown... Somebody that every NFL insider will tell you is going to be a head coaching candidate this offseason. Everybody's got their eyes on him that he is going to be taking over the play calling duties for the offense and Bryce Young. Okay. <laughs> so what's next? We got Fitterer yeah. next. The Fitter, GM change. Fitterer's next. Yes. All right. Uh, no, maybe they'll make a trade. On the, on the playbook, right? Well, well, let's go through the playbook. If right? we go, if we go through the playbook, then yes. Uh, first things first, uh, change up. Um, who's calling plays, change up something with the hierarchy of the coaching staff, et cetera. Uh, at 0 and 6, you lose to Houston right before the trade deadline, then yes, you're probably going to have some like deal, some sort of fire sale to can, replenish your assets. Can, can they change quarterback? Like, am I going to get my one Andy Dalton one off red no. rifle moment? No, unless he has another that's playbook too. Unless he has another mysterious high ankle sprain. I don't see I think we already going, had that. I think we already had that. Well, he'd have to get <laughs> legitimately hurt then. No, for, I'm saying I think we already had the, oh, let's bench the quarterback. So we, we had we're, we're progressing. We're, ha- we're having that. I, and I think the reason why they're going Thomas Brown, Bryce Young, the rest of the way is that if you believe that Bryce Young is your QB and you believe that Thomas Brown is this young, bright offensive coaching mind, which is where the whole entirety of the NFL is headed, when it comes to head coaching hires, well, then you're going to put the two together and let them work through it rather than the too many cooks in the kitchen issue that seems to be the case in Charlotte. We can go back to Jonathan Jones's report in CBS a couple of weeks ago where he talked about simplifying the offense. And it wasn't simplifying the offense because Bryce Young couldn't process. 
I took that to mean simplifying the offense and that he's hearing from too many voices. And Frank Reich has openly talked about this collaborative process and it all trickles down. I got my hand in this and I'm working with Thomas Brown. No, 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 no. Take that out of your life, man. It's like, it's like the copiers plus thing. Don't worry about that. Let somebody else handle that. And that's where Thomas Brown comes into play. So here is Frank Reich answering some questions from Joe person of the athletic. And look, man, I appreciate Joe person. He asked some really good questions. He's not going to let Frank Reich just kind of go with the talking points and listen carefully as Frank Reich shows you some of his stubbornness. Frank, would you have made this decision if you weren't 0-6? I believe I would have. I really do. Um, I, you know, I go back to the interview process with Mr. Tepper when he asked me what my what, what would be the intentions. And, uh, and I, we talked through all the different scenarios depending on who the coordinators were and then depending on who I eventually hired. And so when I hired Thomas, um, I, I knew it was going to probably happen fast, but we need, I needed to get in season. I, I needed to get in season and, and see it all play out. And um, I'd like to think, I think this, I, I'd like to think this is the best decision, no matter what, what our record is. And the reason I ask is last week, we heard you say that you have an owner who doesn't sit idly by how big a role did Dave have in this and did he encourage you to give it up? No, this is something, you know, as I said, we've talked about this periodically as we've gone, um, but this was 100% my decision um, from start to finish. But has he been involved in discussion? Yeah, I talked to him about, you know, all of the things related to this team and how things play out um, in our weekly discussions. Uh, and as I said before, those, those are great discussions. Again, that's Frank Reich, Carolina Panthers head coach, answering some questions from Joe Person. And Joe asking about the whole, hey, look, you know, how much is David Tepper involved in this is a good question, given what we know from Frank Reich's previous comments about how involved David Tepper seems to be. And I have a question, Joe. Okay. Do you think that... I'm not sure I'm going to have an answer for you, though. Do you think Frank Reich misses working with Jim Irsay now versus David Tepper? <laughs> like, there's there's two different kinds of, like, weird ownership, right? Right. Like, Irsay's just kind of out there, man. You don't know what you're getting. He, he's kind of spacey. He's in his things. He's got his guitars. He'll tweet through it, Right. And then you've got David Tepper, who's, you know, this like, I demand answers now. You got to meet with me weekly. And so how do you, how do you, how would you rather deal with an owner? And I, I, I do wonder if Tepper's thinking, man, I thought I got away from this kind of ownership. And instead I found myself right back in this shit. Come on. It's just going to end <laughs> in a spectacular flaming fashion. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And again, I'll just reiterate, I liked all of the things that they did. I didn't mind that they hired Frank Reich after the disaster that was Matt Rule. Like I thought it was nice to have an adult and you talk about the checklist. That's that's a that's, that's a part rookie, of the checklist, right? That is a new NFL owner checklist move, you know, just going in the opposite direction of the guy you just fired and failed. But I think this also goes in line with your premise that everyone has to be on the same page. Clearly, David Tepper, Scott Federer, Frank Reich, they're not on the same page. No. And I think now Frank Reich is in this unenviable position where every week he's talking and he's talking himself in circles and he probably doesn't really know what to say at this point No, to be like, yeah, this was the plan all the time. Like, no, if you're running hot and you're four and two or five and one, he's absolutely not giving you're up the play not calling. giving no. up the play calling situation. No. And, and we've had long conversations about the value of the person who calls plays mm -hmm. for your football team. 
They're the most important person on your staff. And so for Frank Reich to be like, hey, I am going to live and die with what I do mm-hmm. because I believe strongly. Remember his own background in Philly, then he gets to the Colts. Like, okay, I, I have no problem with that. And I think all along he was trying to say that in the interview process during the draft and then in the preseason and the run up to everything. And yes, it was cool to have Jim Caldwell here. It's cool to have Dom Capers here. It's cool to have all of the other consigliaries that he has here that he can go consult with. But ultimately, I think he wanted it to work because that's that's how I would want to die. Mm-hmm. I'd want to die with my own skills. I'd want to die with my own decisions. So I under, I understand where he's coming from. Now, you say Thomas Brown is an upcoming star in the, in this business. Uh, that's just, I would that's, just, that's what the insiders tell. I would just remind you that he was Mark Rick's uh, offensive coordinator at the University of Miami. Now they were successful mm-hmm. in those three years, mm-hmm. and, and yes, he did. He has the one thing on the checklist that everyone needs now. An, ex- an experience with Sean McVay. Yeah. So that's a good thing. Mm-hmm. So we'll, we'll see what he does. And look, there's patterns to does. these things. I mean, r- remember, uh, what was his face? Uh, Joe, uh, who Matt Rule had to fire. the Brady. Hot, Joe Brady. Thank you. See, see how quickly I forgot about Joe Brady? Yeah. I memory hold him. And that was, and remember, that, was, my, that Joe, was my big problem with Rule is like, this is the most important position. You have to have the right person for this. Yes. And for him to be like, I had no experience with Joe Brady. I didn't hire Joe Brady. Which, by the way, Frank Reich <laughs> said the same thing yesterday. He's like, I've never worked with Thomas, Thomas Brown before. Okay. You know, like I, in Indianapolis, I think it was Mike Kay of the Charlotte Observer who had asked him about how things played out at Indy versus how things are playing out here. He's like, well, you see, in Indy, I worked with guys I knew. I've never worked with Thomas Brown before. Now, he did say, I hired Thomas Brown and, you know, Frank Reich, maybe trying to get with the program, but this, let's be realistic. Let's, let's be realistic about what this means for the Carolina Panthers going forward and what they can do in the bye week. The bye week makes sense on multiple levels and not just because of the Owen six start. I'll give Frank Reich the benefit of the doubt that they might've circled in pencil the bye week as a way to hand things off to Thomas Brown to reassess. Cause what do coaches, what do coaches love to tell you on open weeks? Oh, well, you know, we self scout, you know, we take an assessment of what we do, you know, how can we tweak things? Obviously we need to rest. Everybody gets a break, but now we're going to take this opportunity and you never know what's going to happen the rest of the season. Every coach says this. So I'll give them the benefit of the doubt in that regard. However, I think we can all agree that Frank Reich calling the plays was vanilla. Frank Reich calling the plays led to speculation. And all you have to do is just watch the speculation that Frank Reich was coaching the team he wanted rather than the team that he had. That Frank Reich was trying to run an offense for what he's typically run offenses for, which is the big traditional quarterbacks with Bryce Young in a skill set that wasn't necessarily going to translate. So I do believe that David Tepper in these weekly meetings told him, dude, this isn't working. You need to stop being stubborn and you need to have Bryce Young be coached by Thomas Brown and run an offense that is more suited for Bryce Young because you and I are not tape eaters. Okay. Hmm. We are not the type of people that go to NFL access, watch the all 22 film screen, grab it and put it on social media. I'm not saying that as a knock. I'm just saying we are not those type of people, but those people do exist. Shout out to Josh Norris, uh, who's over at underdog fantasy and he'll do, he's a Panthers fan. He's from North Carolina. So he's a Panthers guy at the end of the day. I think he used to do stuff for black and blue review. The old, um, uh, the old Panthers blog. So he had done the thing where he screen grabs and gifs and every single thing that he pulls 
shows you, again, to be realistic about what's going forward, the offensive line has regressed. There's injuries, obviously, but there's also been regression for guys like Ikiquanu. In certain situations, the wide receiver group, which we keep kind of wash, rinse, repeating with our opinions about this wide receiver group, they're not open. There was a graph making the rounds about separation for receivers. You know what the Dolphins do with their speed and their scheme? <laughs> they make guys open. You know what the Panthers are doing with their skill set and their scheme? Not making guys open. So there's often a response of, okay, you want to bang on Bryce Young. Here is this data. Here are these examples. Look at them and then come back to me and tell me, where is Bryce Young supposed to throw the ball in these situations? What is Bryce Young supposed to do when he's got a dolphin on his back? All right. Now, in some of these cases, if you're looking for the positives, Bryce Young's actually making some pretty decent throws, even under pressure. But he's making throws to, again, a wide receiver group that sometimes is just not open. It goes back to that stat earlier where Bryce Young was actually completing throws in tightest windows with receivers who were not necessarily open. So to be realistic, again, back to Thomas Brown going forward, I don't expect there to be this, you know, Mike McDaniel level offensive scheme or a, a Shanahan level scheme them up, Brock Purdy, suddenly an MVP candidate. But if you believe in Bryce Young, you then put him with the guy you're going to keep him with. Because the worst thing you can do in the NFL, and we saw this, we've seen this so many times in college, how many different offensive coordinators are you going to go through? How are you going to ruin a quarterback with all these offensive coordinators? So there's no reason why David Tepper can't afford Thomas Brown. If you believe he's the guy to help Bryce Young get along, that the rest of the season isn't necessarily about competing for the South, for the NFC South. It's about making sure you're developing him and putting him in a position to succeed next year and beyond. That's where we're at. Not breaking him. Don't break him. I'll say this. You say no um, Mike McDaniel, no Shanahan. I disagree. Okay. I disagree. Saw a great clip from Steve Sarkeesian. Do you remember Tyler Feldman used to work over in yeah. Greenville? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's down in Austin now. Okay. And posted it on his timeline. I love following the stuff that he does. I love it when people leave the nest and we see them in different spots. Yeah, it's right? always cool to see. Um, it's Star- Sarkeesian, he was asked, do you borrow plays from other people? I think actually, I think the word was steal. Mm-hmm. He was like, yeah. Great, great artist steal, man. He goes, absolutely. He goes, I didn't create football i don't i don't make any pretense that i invented football right so if you think back to the preseason the plays that i liked from bryce young were from under center Mm -hmm. and the staple of the the shanahan offense the younger shanahan offense and which is really from his dad is the play action you get the quarterback on the move and part of that is having that strong run game part of that is having the threat of a, of a runner. And I think, again, the premise of Miles Sanders was he would be that runner that you saw the offensive line last year. You would be able to get people guessing on play action downs, which are early downs, by mm-hmm. the way, not third down when everyone knows in the building that you're throwing. Right. <laughs> okay. But I do think this is the time to steal. And I think this is the time for Thomas Brown to look at the stuff with Sean McVay that he used with Goff, the Goff stretch, because remember they went to the Super Bowl with Jared Goff mm-hmm. as a, as a young quarterback. And that wasn't because of him. It was because of how it was schemed up. It was because of Todd Gurley. And again, you have the threat of Gurley, but it wasn't because they had like, you know, super blazers out there running around, running routes. <laughs> they good receivers. Don't get me wrong. Sure. Um, Robert Woods had a, had a really good year that year, but they weren't like this blown away skill set dolphins toy chest. You know, this was, this was a normal team that had, I had an outstanding defense, but they were schemed up on offense. The success that I saw in, in, obviously glimpses in the preseason 
was when you had to guess when it was a play action situation. And more importantly, it's when you put the quarterback on the move. That is a staple of, of Shanahan is getting the quarterback out on the move. Mm-hmm. Go back to Jake Plummer for the dad. Oh, geez. Replacing yeah. Elway at yeah. the Broncos, right? Yeah. Even Elway, if you, if you really want to get mm-hmm. into it. Um, so I, I think that's the way you put him in the best position. So I do. I think, I think it is. Let's go copycat. Let's go figure out some things that work. And maybe Thomas Brown is, is the right person for that job. Because sometimes if you're Frank Reich and you're, and you're kind of stuck in the Doug Peterson, Andy Reed mold of, Hey, we're, we're that three-step West coast sit, yeah. drop, get it out of your hands kind of guy. Then you don't, you know, you need, you need to ask for help. So we'll, we'll see, let's see what Thomas Brown does. I think that most important job for Thomas Brown going forward is not to break. Don't break him, Bryce Young, because I think you're right. Because you're gonna, we're gonna get into this when we talk about Tua Tagovailoa and Justin Herbert. It's easy right now to sit here and go, and we're gonna see CJ Stroud. Soon. Oh yeah, it's easy to sit here and say CJ Stroud is better, and, and he is. Mm-hmm. Um, but you can't just sit there and be like, "Well, that's it." There's like, a long like, game here, man. Like Bryce Young is done. Yeah, no, no there, there's, there's a, ways to help him. There's a long game. Here. Housekeeping. Check out. Speaking of the Panthers, uh, if you just want to hear discussions about Bryce Young specifically. There's a new episode of Young Gun out right now with Dimitri Ravanos and Lauren Brownlow. Check that out wherever you get your podcast. Throw them five stars as well. We would greatly appreciate that. We got new new Law of the Wolf this week. We do. Very exciting. Any guests or are you just going to like break out the yellow pads again? Waiting for one person to, to call uh-huh. me back. Because uh-huh. some there's a certain person in Major League Baseball who's running hot oh, right now. Well, so don't obviously, I can't get Trey Turner. Can we have a little side here now? Oh, sure. Hold on a second. I think my juices flow all the time. Yeah. So uh, in a different lifetime, I, I had thought about doing a Trey Turner podcast project. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I, I obviously I'm friends with Elliot Avon, who knows Trey Turner. Mm-hmm. I think, and I did not realize this until someone, had, uh, uh, his name's Chris, mm-hmm. pointed this out on Twitter to me. The other Joe Giglio has like a vendetta Against yes. Trey Turner. I know. Which I did not know about. You follow him on Twitter? I do, but I think, again, things oh, get the, lost in yeah, my timeline. The, and, yeah, plus, the algorithm is all screwy yeah. now on Twitter. So it's anyway. like, I don't, I haven't seen it, and I wasn't aware of it. And I'm sitting here going, oh, he, go, he goes after I Trey. I was like, yeah. I won't say it, but I'm like, I now I know why Trey. I mean, it was last summer when I texted him, but it was like in the middle, like it wasn't like something busy was going Wait, on. are you saying he thought I think you? I think he's confused over his Joe Gillios. No, I do. Come on. He should be able to tell one's coming from a 919 versus I'm, Joe Gillio at WIP. I'm just saying a lot of people aren't extremely online. Trey's not an extremely online person. So do you think somebody in his crew is feeding him tweets? I don't know. I'm just, <laughs> I, I have, I literally this week had to tell Elliot, can you please explain to Trey that there are two different Joe Gillios? Because I think that's why he... Because remember, at the time when Trey and Carlos Rodon were at state, yeah, yeah, Trey was always my guy. I know that. That's why I'm Trey, kind of surprised. I was, I was always good to Trey, and I always thought Trey would be the better pro than Carlos. Now, Carlos, when he's healthy, is is yeah, perfectly yeah, fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that was all. And Carlos was a little prickly, had his own little thing, and he, he was obviously like a little bit bigger on the scale of yeah. of people paying attention. Yeah, to. Carlos Rodon was the prospect. So man. I was always a stand for Trey, and I always treated him well. <laughs> So it was last summer that I reached out to him. I remember. And I was like, I remember we talked about it. Like, That's really weird. I didn't hear back from him. So you think it's the other Joe? Gio? I think there's, 
some Joe Gillio confusion going on. So literally this week, I I had texted uh, Elliot and I said, hey, because he was up there. Elliot was up there with the was. other guy from WIP. Yeah. Who's apparently a big Trey dude. Yeah. And got people on Trey's side. And of course, while we're here on Trey, oh, Trey struggled for like two months on the regular season. Mm-hmm. Like, why are you bagging on Trey? It's a long season. It's a man. long, it's a long season, season, man. Yeah, I get it. Then he, the one, and, and I, I hate to do this to our friend Joe Giglio, but it's like, it's not your money. Like the well, Phillies paying him, that's not your money. Here's the thing. Like, though. why do you get mad at a player who gets paid and then you act like you're not living up to your salary? Well, first of all, it's it's April and May, man. Have you ever have you ever listened to Northeast Corridor I, I, Sports? I, and I get Philly is a thing, man. Dude. Philly is even a different thing than New York. Than anything else. It's different. Yeah. All but again, they all share one similarity. Philly, Boston, New York Sports Talk Radio all share one similarity, and that is to live misery. Okay. Mm-hmm. To li- basically second guess the coach, second guess the players. You know, why'd you give this bum a contract? Well, okay. Right. You said you just said the magic word, bum. Right. Okay. My father loves that word. Loves <laughs> that freaking word. Again, they're from Delaware, but they're from the Philly it's side. The Philly it's, the, it's, yeah. the, it's the Philly side of Delaware. Okay. And, you know, from Wilmington, et cetera. So they ride for the Phillies, <laughs> they ride for the Eagles, all that stuff. And they, my father in law calls everybody a bum, he, like for one bad game. One bad game, bum. So yeah, I mean, I when I this past summer when I was doing the road trip, and we visited our friends Howard and Lauren up in Philly, I you know I, I forced the family to listen to WIP, and I caught a little bit of Gilio, the other Gilio, yeah. and they were going through Seventy uh, Sixers, uh, you know, hot stove stuff, right? And it, I don't know. It's the it, long story short, all they want to do up there is complain. A couple summers ago, this was after they had won the Super Bowl. And it was the Nick Foles, Carson Wentz conversation, right? It was like relitigating. I know how much he hated Carson Wentz. And he was right about that. He was that. right about so Carson he's Wentz. He's basically made his career about being that's, right about that's Carson That's how it Wentz. works, man. That's, and that's, that's cool. Works. But man, don't don't F with my money when it comes to Trey Turner. I'm with you on that. So a couple other housekeeping notes. You know, you know what I love? I love irony. Okay. I love irony. <laughs> it's one of my favorite genres of things. And um, we're finalists for the WRAL Voters Choice Awards. So for the best podcast, I would prefer you just didn't even say, just say it's a contest. You don't need to say it's, you don't need to give them any, I don't even like you tweeting out like vote, whatever. Cause all they're doing is farming people's information to sell. So are we <laughs> not that blatantly. <laughs> so are we. So anyway, uh, we're a finalist for the Voters Choice Awards. We would really appreciate it if you gave us a vote because at the very least, it would be hilarious. It's already funny. It's already funny. Come on. Do you not find the humor in this? Do you not? Come on, Joe. Can you not at least find this funny? I think it's funny. That's just me. But you and I are wired different. Give it to me. We're moving on. <laughs> Hold on. Hold on. <laughs> I didn't have that one right. We're moving on. When you move on from listening to the end of this podcast, maybe you want to go check out what our friends over at WUNC are doing, North Carolina's Public Radio. It's the broad side. Explores news, history, pop culture stories rooted in the American South, including, you know, the word y'all, right? Y'all has just taken over the country. And these are neat stories that they expand on, all thanks to the broad side, your source for Carolina news and culture stories that might not be on the front page, but definitely deserve a deeper look. So go ahead. Follow, listen to new episodes of The Broadside every Thursday, wherever you get 
your podcast. Big thanks to Breeze Through for sponsoring Ovias and Gilio. Go check out their various locations. We are in peak sports mode. End of October is when everything's kicking up. You still got football. The basketball season is right around the corner. The Carolina Hurricanes are coming back from their road trip. Uh, they'll be here Thursday against the Kraken. Uh, and they've got locations to all the places you need to go. Uh, just outside Chapel Hill, obviously, right there in front of PNC Arena, Carter Finley Stadium. So go check out Breeze Through. Gave Charles Harris, the athletic director over at Garner, yeah. uh, a tumbler. Nice. And I told him, less lifetime refills, man. Pool Road, that's the closest one over to Garner okay. High School. Go check them out. Adam's got spots all over the place, man. And they got the Breeze Through Freeze crew now. I was rocking that shirt Like, yesterday. come on, man. I was rocking that That's a home run for them. Uh, big thanks to Whitaker and Hamer as well. Check them out online at wh.lawyer. Again, that's wh.lawyer, attorneys and counselors at law. Yeah, maybe you're like me and, and you get pulled over by a golf cart downtown for illegally passing somebody. Maybe, maybe you need help. Mm. The thing to do is go to wh.lawyer and have Josh Whitaker, Joe Hamer, all the experience. They'll take care of you. They're taking care of me. They'll take care of you. Uh, not doing the things that I do first, though. Yeah, you you and driving. You don't need that. You, yeah, you, you, just, you and driving, man. Maybe you want to sell a business or close on a house. Yeah, yeah. Maybe other issues. For that. Okay. Good for that. That makes sense. Over to the uh, Indianapolis Colts. Over to the Los Angeles Chargers. Okay. Why am I bringing these? Up? Why am I bringing these things up? Well, well, I think we're going to make some quarterback comparisons. Everybody loves a good quarterback comparison. Yes. So let's start with Indianapolis because I know that you have referenced this. I know we've had listeners reference this. They've seen highlights of Anthony Richardson. You're like, damn, I mean, like he's sexy. You can feel that in your plum. Right. Like he makes some plays and you feel that tingle, right? I'm going to the market. <laughs> <laughs> he's probably done for the season. Yes, shoulder injury. Availability is the best ability. Mm -hmm. Had the concussion in the one game and now the shoulder injury, which is likely to sideline him now for the whole season. Mm -hmm. For all the talk of Bryce Young and his stature, he's too short. You know, he looks like a high schooler out there with grown men. Hasn't gotten hurt. I mean, there was the high ankle sprain. I'll reference that one again. The high ankle sprain, a.k.a. benching. But for the most part, he's been able to absorb hits at his tiny frame. Now, Is that going to last throughout his career? I don't know, man. Remains to be seen. But the reason why he's absorbing this is because his offensive line isn't very good right now. That's something they clearly need to work on. And then you got Justin Herbert and the Chargers. You're probably wondering, why am I bringing up Justin Herbert? The Herbert Hive will not accept any answers that maybe Justin Herbert's okay. He's got an amazing arm. You, You actually referenced this yesterday when we were talking about Caleb Williams and Drake May. Like the silly things we get wrapped up in when it comes to quarterback conversations. And people see some tape of Herbert. I totally understand. They go, man, that's sexy. However, the Miami Dolphins, with Tua Tungavailoa and what they've built around him, are actually starting to take back some of the things that were initially said a few years ago when the two were. Because remember, it was Brian Flores who did not want Tua Tungavailoa. He wanted Justin Herbert. The Dolphins want a different plan. Have you have you heard this before? Does this sound familiar? Right? The head coach might have wanted one direction, but the team wanted this. The owner went wanted the this. Way. Went the other way. Now, there's a long way to go between how the Dolphins got to where they are versus where the Panthers are right now. But again, the point stands. Justin Herbert was somebody that Dolphins fans continuously brought up in comparison to Tua Tungavailoa. What did the Chargers do last night on Monday Night Football with Brandon Staley as their head coach? They wasted yet another primetime game. 
And they've only made it to the playoffs once. They lost that game. And Brandon Staley has a propensity to lose very tight games as a head coach. And all this is to say, you might have the guy you think you, you know, you desperately want because he has all the intangibles. He has all the things he checks off. But it's not going to be worth anything unless you put the right people around him. And Brandon Staley is going to find himself out of work at the end of the season, oh, if not before. He should have been out of work after the playoff loss to Jacksonville. Right. What, what was Collapse. it? Was that a 27-0 lead in that game? I don't know if it was that much. It was it, a multiple it touchdown was, lead. It was deep. It was a multiple touchdown lead. So he's going to find himself unemployed here pretty quick. because, not, And that's not even uh, the one he should have been fired for. The no. previous year, where all he had to do was run out the clock and tie the game. They both right. both teams go to the playoff. And he, he plays one way, though, man. <laughs> he plays one way. That's the whole thing. And it's biting him in the ass. Yeah. So Justin Herbert, also the team around Justin Herbert, is not as good as what they've been able to build around Miami. And again, it gets back to the ultimate point when it comes to Bryce Young. You might look at what C.J. Stroud is doing with Houston right now. You might look at what you saw with Anthony Richardson early, but it's way too early to make any definitive claims on Bryce Young. And if you are making definitive claims on Bryce Young, I feel like all you're really doing is box score watching rather than watching the game. Now, I know that sounds real knuckle draggy. I hate doing that kind of stuff. I hate being the guy that goes, well, if you watch the game, but there are certain cases where you do have to break glass in case of emergency and bring that up. Because while Bryce Young's stats are not overwhelmingly great, he hasn't had games where he's thrown for over 250 yards. A lot of his stats have been padded by garbage time. I get all those things. But if you watch the Panthers offense run, dude, it's just not good. It's not good all around. What I hear you saying, and I'm going to push back a little bit. That's fine. What I hear you saying is if you put Bryce Young in the perfect situation, he will excel. Mm -hmm. Couldn't. Not perfect situation, but a better situation. Couldn't we say that about every quarterback? Brock Purdy. I mean, <laughs> could you and I be MVPs of the NFL I, again, if think, we had think of that? it this way? Yeah. The Panthers literally took Bryce Young because of a test that he scored so well on mm -hmm. that the only other person that it was like was Brock Purdy. And in their minds, it was, well, we're going to use the number one overall pick on this because it means he'll be the next Brock Purdy. Yeah. But just just, just go back even a half a step because I, I, I want to. I'm not a Justin Herbert person. Sure. You're not part of the Herbert half. But wouldn't Justin Herbert be experiencing the same success in Miami's offense right now as Tua Tonga Bailoa? Theoretically, is? yeah. This is going to get me to a Philip Rivers conversation. Mm -hmm. like, do you are you of the opinion that if Philip Rivers had been with the Giants or the Steelers, let's use the Steelers for okay. a better example. Sure. It, even though I think the Giants are applicable too, since it is the team that drafted them. So there's so three. That, so, so, if, so if we do the uh, if we're going to do the Gwyneth oh, Paltrow okay. sliding doors scenario yes. where Philip Rivers this, ends up with the Giants, how about I hit this one closer to home? Okay. Do you think Dan Marino would have won a Super Bowl on a different team? Like if he was with the Niners, if he was with the Giants, if he was with Joe Gibbs, Broncos, or if even he, so if he was if, with Elway, if, if he, if I was going to say, if, if, if the Dolphins had a semblance of a running game, the way that, because remember John Elway was not a, John Elway was on the same path of Dan Marino yeah. being one of the great quarterbacks uh, until to play, Terrell Davis, until Terrell Davis yes. showed up and they had a freaking and running the elder game. Shanahan. Yes. Right. Okay. So it's not, a, that wasn't a Dan Marino. That wasn't a, that's not a Don Shula problem. It was just the way they were constructed. Sure, but what I'm getting at is we love, as you like to say, we, we love to talk about quarterbacks and are they the MVP oh, and now Matthew yeah. Stafford's legacy, remember? I, I, I heard him I heard him referred to as a Hall of Famer the other day. And yeah, I'm like, I oh, I forgot. Yeah. They won the Super Bowl and now yeah. he's a Hall of Famer. Right. I'm just getting at, like, sometimes we act like, well, if so-and-so was in the perfect situation, well, yes, of course. I mean, <laughs> I would want 
Andy Reid to be my coach. Yes, sure. it just so happens that Andy Reid is with Patrick Mahomes. Mm-hmm. Like Tom Brady was the sixth round pick. I get that, but he just so happened to be within the really great relationship well, with his head coach. But do you, I think I think we shouldn't punish Philip Rivers. We shouldn't punish a Justin Herbert. They just so happen to be from the same franchise. Mm-hmm. For not having all of everything around them I'm being not, perfect, I'm not punish. I want to be clear about this. I'm not punishing Justin Herbert. I'm not. Act- I'm not trying to tell you that he's some sort of fraud. Okay, and the jig is up. Okay, that's not what I'm trying to say. I'm simply pointing out that you could have the quarterback you feel is superior and still find yourself in a situation where things are not good, that you're not winning playoff games. So for all the talk about how Justin Herbert's better than Tua Tagovailoa, what do the Chargers have to show for it? Is my point, and. Not the perfect team scenario, but yes, NFL conversations are usually based and they're all around the quarterback to the point where we're having referendums on Brock Purdy and whether or not he's elite because he's on a loaded squad. What? I'm glad I don't have to participate. In that. Yeah, you don't have to participate <laughs> in that. I totally get that. I'm not, I understand what you're saying. Yeah, I just but it, think it, it sometimes gets, we it look gets, at guys the wrong way. It gets. I think you and I can both agree, though, that it's way too entirely early to call it on Bryce Young. I agree. I and but I've been consistent about Bryce Young for this. Yeah. I don't think he is a guy who can do things on his own. Fine. Right? Fine. And if you're the Panthers, the last guy you used one one on mm-hmm. was able to do so totally many things that. on his own. So we just we all have a different definition of what we think one one should be. Mm-hmm. And I just don't think Bryce Young fits anyone's definition of what one one is. That's not his fault. No. And it doesn't mean he can't become a functional NFL quarterback like Tua Tungabaloa has. Mm-hmm. But we are sitting here saying, if we put this quarterback in the perfect situation with the perfect play caller yes. and two of the three best receivers in the NFL and two really great fast running backs, guess what? He's going to look like a diamond. You know what Bryce Young needs? <laughs> you know what Bryce Young needs? I hope this is an ad. What does he need? He needs the guidance of Aaron Rodgers. Oh, That's actually what he needs. Not an ad. Not an ad. Uh, although when we do talk about the Panthers, it's brought to you by Graffiti. Uh, check them out at Downtown Carry. It's a Tuesday, which means it's break-even night. They'll take a bottle of bourbon, usually pretty pricey, and they will sell it to you at cost. So you can get a one-ounce pour, some really great bourbon for like three bucks uh, to check this stuff out. So that's all break-even night at Graffiti. And of course, on Sundays, They'll have beer specials. They've got their bourbon specials as well. They got all the games and it's a bye week. So you can actually enjoy football without having to watch the Panthers. You can watch see what other teams are doing in the grand scheme of things. So again, big thanks to graffiti for sponsoring Ovias and Gilio. And I brought up the Aaron Rodgers thing because look, <laughs> should I just let you have this one? Let's take a little nap it's here. Just, it's, what, no, it's not so much that it's just that, there are times where I, when I have people figured out, you've known me long enough yes, that I'm usually pretty good at figuring people out, okay, and how they tick. And I figured it out with Aaron Rodgers a long time ago when everybody was like, the, the Green Bay Packers need to trade him. Oh, my goodness. Like, how can you not make him happy? And I thought to myself, nah, I see a lot of me in Aaron Rodgers. Here's a guy who's going to openly bitch and whine. <laughs> And he gets it out of his system and then he goes out there and he does what he's supposed to do. I mean, that's and the Green Bay Packers understood that. It was like, sorry, I almost channeled my full Colin Coward there. <laughs> you know, it reminds me a lot of me. Anyway, but that's how Aaron Rodgers, man. Aaron Rodgers loves the attention more than anything else, too. All right. And the Green Bay Packers knew that. There, there is something to the that. The Green Bay Packers absolutely knew that. So they just let him do his thing. 
let him complain. Let him go on with Pat McAfee. Oh, are you done now? Are you ready to play some football? Cool. All right. But now he's in New York, dude, where all the attention is. And the Jets are so desperate for anything good that, man, they shot. Did you watch Hard Knocks at all? A little bit. I saw the first episode. And it was all like, we got Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> right. So yesterday, what did I tell you? Uh, what did I tell you yesterday? He is not happy with the Jets' modicum of success here with their 3-3 three and three record. And so, <laughs> sure enough, last night as I'm watching Monday Night Football and I'm doing my RSS feed look at things, and what do I see on CBS Sports? An aggregated story per The Athletic. Rodgers wore a headset and offered suggestions to the Jets' coaching staff during the game. The Jets didn't score an offensive touchdown until the final two minutes of their 20-14 win, and even that one was the Eagles letting them score after a turnover so they could get the ball back in hopes of having the ball last. But, again, do you see how this is framed? Aaron Rodgers made suggestions. He put on the headset, and, and, despite, and despite the fact that they didn't do shit, okay, and the writer, the aggregator, even wrote that context. There's the but. But the locker room was easily influenced by their superstar quarterback's presence. <laughs> this is from Robert Sala, head coach. Quote, he wanted to be on the sidelines. It's unbelievable. A lot of people that I've talked to, I won't name names, but who have also had it, re- referring to the tear in the Achilles that everyone is in awe that he's even walking for him to be on the sideline standing the entire time. He's a freakazoid. So hopefully that made Aaron Rodgers feel better. He'll be on with Pat McAfee later today. So I cannot wait to find out. Well, he's going to do two things with Pat McAfee. He's going to give you his pep talk about the jets and he's going to lead the little hints that he might be back before the end of the season, which again, that would be incredible. I'm not going to lie, but the way that people are treating Aaron Rodgers right now is hysterical. Like, oh, my God, did you see him on the field? And he was throwing. Well, I would hope he could throw. I mean, he didn't hurt his he arm. Didn't, he didn't tear his rotator cuff, did he? <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's like, oh, did you see him throwing and catching? Well, yeah, I, I would hope so, because the thing that he busted was was on his foot. So, yeah, it's, it's kind of cool that he can throw the ball. So you see what we're doing here? We're just feeding this man things. We're just feeding the ego, and he loves it. But, but. Aaron, I know you. I know how you operate. And I know what's ultimately bothering him. You know what's bothering him more than the Jets being three and three right now? You know what's killing him? I, I think the attention has shifted from all Aaron all of the time uh-huh. to uh-huh. Hey, what what's that guy who's dating Taylor Swift up to? Wait, is he hanging out with his brother? Ding 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 ding. Oh man, they seem to really love each other. Dude. I'm telling you right now, all of this saltiness that comes from Aaron Rodgers towards Travis, towards Travis Kelsey is because he's dating Taylor Swift. I had a listener point out to me. He's like, well, Aaron Rodgers is dating somebody who's like really attractive and the heir to some fortune. I forgot what it was. And I simply responded to that listener. Yeah, that's cool. But is she the biggest pop star on the planet that will put you front and center on every news outlet? And we'll track your whereabouts leaving Saturday Night Live. Like, dude, there are TikToks. Joe, I'm not proud of admitting this because my algorithm feeds me what I watch. Yeah, yeah. TikTok has breakdowns of Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift holding hands. Like, Travis Kelsey's doing some bare minimum boyfriend shit 
and people are going nuts. Like he opened the door for Taylor Swift. Do you see how she's hold, how he's holding her hand? Oh man. Okay, these are things that are happening right now. It's killing Aaron Rodgers. Killing him that this is happening, especially since he's in New York. Right. And he thought, "Look, man, look at all the attention." And 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 last night the Kelsey brothers are hanging out at the Phillies game. Okay. Which is awesome. Which is great. And they're pounding beers and the cameras on them. Who doesn't love the and Kelsey's? They're, and they're probably sitting there going, you know, that Joe Giulio really hates Trey Turner. <laughs> I can't believe that guy. That guy's such an ass. And I'm, I saw that clip making the rounds. You saw the clip. They're just drinking yeah. beers, all that stuff, right? And I thought to myself, I wouldn't put, I would not put it past Aaron Rodgers to do a couple things later this season. Oh, no. All right. The first one is, the first one is reconciling with Jordan Rodgers, his brother. Remember, Aaron Rodgers and his family do not get along. Jordan Rodgers was a contestant on The Bachelor. And like they vaguely referenced the fact that he was Aaron Rodgers' brother because there's some there's some iciness there. It's cold between the Rodgers family, right? Yeah. Jordan so Rodgers, Vanderbilt legend, Wolfpack hero for which, the day. Which? Which? He NC State in the Music City Bowl. Speaking of which, this... You're probably wondering, how the hell is Joe going to tie this to Taylor Swift? <laughs> oh, is she there? Well, where's Vanderbilt, Joe? Uh, Nashville. Where's Taylor Swift when she was Home getting base? her start? When Nashville. she was getting her start? Nashville. Okay. Jordan Rogers apparently shot his shot with Taylor Swift back in the day. Apparently, he would leave her tickets. Jordan Rogers. Jordan Rogers. At Vanderbilt games? At Vanderbilt games. According okay. to like an Us Weekly story that I saw last night as I was in a deep dive. I'm not proud of this. Clearly. I was in a deep dive last night. So I can see I it mean, now. Kelsey asked her out on a podcast. So. Right. So here's Jordan Rogers leaving tickets for Taylor Swift to shoot his shot. And he jokes about it now. But Aaron Rodgers going, there's my in. So they reconcile and they start a podcast. It's not called New Heights. What would you, what would we call it? Like higher state of consciousness? With Jordan Rogers and Aaron Rodgers. Well, Aaron Rodgers has to go first because it's Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. And like the Zooms would suck because he would be in his darkness cave the whole time. Right. And then again, I'm telling you, dude, the source of all of this, all of family it, reunion, brotherly love is because Aaron Rodgers is mad that he shot his shot with Taylor Swift and she probably doesn't even know who he is. Meanwhile, Travis Kelsey's on Saturday Night Live making cameos, everybody's losing their mind and going to after parties with Taylor Swift. I'm telling you, dude. And as a friend pointed out to me, there's videos of them like leaving the club with like lipstick smudged. They're making out. They're having a good time. Come on they're now. Full grown adults, right? So I think they're doing more than holding hands and making out. Joe. Well, you know what I mean? You know what I mean? <laughs> Just gonna, it's going to throw yes, that out there. Yes, for you. they're having sex. <laughs> I'm pretty sure they're having sex. Yes. Something tells me. Something Pacey tells me. and uh, <laughs> Joey on a boat where they didn't do it over the summer, Joe. <laughs> Big thanks to Homefield Apparel for sponsoring Ovias and Gilio. Check them out online, homefieldapparel.com. You can use the promo code OG23. They've got uh, some new styles coming out. They got new bomber jackets coming out too. Whoa. Yeah, like got the satin jackets, all that stuff. It's really good. Looks. That's your that's your Yo, jam. That's my jam. It's my dad's jam. So I'm really hyped about that stuff. And again, you can use that promo code OG23 to save 15% off. Does there any order. listen to the podcast? No. Okay. Well, let's get him a bomber jacket for, for Christmas. Christmas. Right. From the OG account. Let's do it. 
Yeah. Actually, it's funny. I've actually been, uh, now that I actually have access to the bank card, yeah. I've been shipping things to listeners that have won stuff. Yeah. So yeah, I guess we could do that for my dad. Absolutely. We'll do that. Uh, also, big thanks to- I think home- I have 20% right there. You do have 20%. We can get yeah, because we've already used our promo code. Right. So yeah, we can use that. Um, speaking so what of- what do you want, Miami or- Here's, yeah, it'll be a Miami one. It's hardcore. I would have to go and look. And he would rock it at hockey games for sure. It's hardcore. He is hardcore. Phew. He is hardcore. Speaking of, you don't want to take a discount on selling your house. No. Like 20% off? No, you don't want that. No. You don't want that. You want to sell your house 20% over. That's yes. what you want. All right. Hometown Realty uh, is going to make sure that you maximize the value of your house when you sell it. Go check them out at myhtr.com. Expertise from Raleigh to the coast. Six locations, more than 250 agents. Barry Woodard and his crew have got you covered. Not only is there a simplicity to that website, check out the mortgage calculator. Also, big thanks to Butcher's Market for sponsoring Ovias and Gilio. I told you about those chicken Philly sausages. Phenomenal. Yes. Phenomenal. I'm still jealous that it's, I have not partaken. It's Taco Tuesday, which means... Jalapeno chicken. Let's go. I'm doing that tonight as well. All thanks to the Butcher's Market. Go check them out. Locations across the triangle. Big shouts to the Butcher's Market because they're going to be involved in the Ring of Fire on Ooh. Saturday. Our friend Matt Davis, as he said, hey... Do you think we can get some gift cards from the butcher's market for the winners of the chili and smoked meat contest? Mm -hmm. Again, everything Matt's doing goes to the community of hope, which is a a great cause here in Garner. So I'm I'm happy to have all of our sponsors like friendly with each other and nice to each other. Absolutely. Because Kenneth is going to be on 919 Vice this week. He will be. Hey, food is a vice. I know, but (laughs) do you want to crash it? No, I, I will come find you guys because they're going to be at the mother. You're going to be at the mothership, right? Uh, yeah, I believe so. Okay, I believe so. So we'll be at my I'll, home base. I'll see. Yeah, falls of the news. Yeah, that's yeah, that's yeah, my yeah, home yeah, base. Yeah. That's the mothership. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's where they got everything. So, so I'll see you there. Perfect. Awesome. Next topic, please. All right, Joe. Um, I tease it time. This. It's time. I teased this. <laughs> I teased right. this at the end of yesterday's show, and um. I, I want to be I want to be abundantly clear how I phrase this. After NC State lost to Duke in the fashion in which they lost it to where Mike Elko has brought Duke in less than two years, I said that Dave Doran has officially entered the Herb Sendek zone. For the younger members of our audience, and I see the demographics, I know I got a few 18 to 20-year-olds in the listening group. Herb Sendek was the basketball coach at NC state after the dark times, after they got out of the Jimmy V and probation, less Robinson invitational, that whole very bad stringent academic. It was the bad standards, the bad times, the dark days. So Herb had to rebuild the program and he didn't really break through until the Julius Hodge, Ilyanev Tamav class. Okay. That was, that was when, when Herb was running hot. Okay, But even at his hottest, even while making the NCAA tournament, he couldn't beat Duke and he couldn't beat North Carolina. Three and 21. The only time he beat North Carolina was during North Carolina's dark time. Yeah. The Matt Doherty years. He, he did beat Gut 98 over in Chapel Hill. Yes. Clint, I remember that Clint game. Clint Cotis Harrison. I was, that, was a, that was a Valentine's Day game. It was I remember correctly. hotter than hot. It was. And then he beat Doe twice. Yes. So... That that's Herb, and the entirety of the Herb tenure was toxic's too strong of a word, but people were never happy the with ending. Sendek. 
was toxic. Yes. So he that ends final up, stretch was toxic. So he his, ends his up daughter leaving. at the time. Yeah. But she might have been 12. Something like that. If yeah. that. Yeah. Stands up when they're losing to Wake Forest down in Greensboro mm-hmm. in the ACC tournament. And it was a wrap. Wake Forest was the last seed in that mm-hmm. tournament. Because remember back then, or however many teams were in the league at that point, um, and they were booing her. Yeah. And I was like, okay, now this is this is not right. So he took off. This is not He right. took off. So he takes the Arizona State job, and then we haven't really heard from Herb Sunday. Where is he at? Is he at Santa Clara still? He's still at Santa Clara. Okay. He's 60 years old. Dude. If I told you he was only 60, would you have believed me? I, he was 43 when he left here. That was an old 43. <laughs> that was an old 43. Hard miles. I mean, I'm 44 <laughs> right now and I know that I'm losing hair and I got gray in my beard, but I did not look like Herb Sendek at the end of his time at NC State. <laughs> All right? I mean, I had some stress, but not that level of stress. <clears throat> so you're right. It was toxic at the end and he left. Okay. Now, I feel that Dave Doran has now entered this zone. And okay. I know, I know what some people were going to tell me. Well, I've not believed in Dave Dorn for the last four years. He's been there. No, 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 no. Just because you feel that way and you were there four years ago doesn't mean that we entered that zone. Because I remember, because again, you and I are old, there were Herb Sendick detractors even when they had Julius Saj winning ACC style of play. player of the year. Yeah. They didn't like the style of play. They never gave Herb Sendick credit. It was all what Larry Hunter's yes. uh, credit when they brought in the Princeton style offense, Prince State offense, the yes. Prince State offense. I'll see her. Herb's not even coaching. Give, give it to Larry. Right. We always do this. Like shout out to Bobby Lutz because, you know, he's the brains behind Mark Godfrey. So that's where. So we hit a point when there's a point of no return and there's decisions to make. Either the school's going to move on with you because everybody's going to start checking out. We've hit we've hit an apathetic point, which is where it was for NC State and Herb Sendick. Or the coach moves on. Now, so this is where we disagree, though, right? But no, no, no. I think we agree. Herb left because it was never going to get any better here. Okay. Herb could have stayed. I agree, I, I agree with that. But I think Herb could have stayed because of the allies that he had in within the athletic department and the school. Yes, but I, where you and I disagree, while he could have stayed, it would not have worked out for everybody. Okay. It only would have made life more miserable for Lee Fowler. I, I think he made the smart choice in going to Arizona State yes. on April Fool's Day in 2006. Yes. Why is it April Fool's Day? Always. Why is it, why is it always April Fool's <laughs> I Day? I think he made the right choice. Please don't get me wrong. Yes. But I also think like, he was stubborn enough because remember that last year, he gave Chip Alexander at the News Observer this interview about Buddha and oh, Zen yeah, and yeah, how yeah. he embraced all of this stuff and yeah. how, you know, it was like yeah. letting stuff go. And Oh, dude, he was... Herb was very good at, while not developing allies with fandom, he was good at developing and giving you context behind the scenes. Like I've told this yeah. story before where Herb Sendek and the coaching staff went over to 850 The Buzz and brought pizza. Mm-hmm. Look, if you want to win over sports radio people, man, you bring them free pizza. <laughs> it, buddy, let me tell not you. Not just sports radio. I, I mean, know anybody. It's, it's, it's anybody, really. Oh, you brought us free pizza. Oh, whatever it's you have to say. Very simple. Very so simple. I remember sitting in on that conversation. It was me, Adam Gold, Morgan Patrick, Clarice Clark, Jarrett Whaley. Shout out to Jarrett Whaley, the J-Dog. And Herb just kind of laid out, like, here are the things that I had to work through. Yeah. And, the first couple of years. Yeah, and, I re- and I remember. More difficult than people realize. And, yes. and mind you, I'm in my mid-20s, dude. I don't know shit from shit. All right. Yeah. But I remember asking Herb, why don't you explain this? Even Adam at one point was like, well, why don't you just kind of like lose your shit on the sideline one day? Yeah, which right? he did not which never did. like to do. There's the Buddha point, right? Yeah. And he's like, well, what does that get me? That's not me. 
I'm like, okay, understand where you're coming from. But again, context, it mattered. And this again, gets me to flash back to that time. And it makes me think about Dave Dorn. Now Dave Dorn, he's not the best at post-game press conferences, right? He's not the best at interviews. It's not even, we're not even talking about post-game. We're talking about like just all general, messaging, all messaging. Yeah, the struggle is real. The, the struggle was real for Herb, just like the struggle is real with Dave Dorn. Yeah. But there are two Daves. I've referenced the two Daves all the time. But for whatever reason, when it comes to doing interviews, he's just not either he doesn't want to or he's just not right. good at it. Well, he's not a glad hander, though, either. He's Neither not. one of them were. So that doesn't necessarily work well with how people argue for you on your behalf or try to tell you, give you context sure. for fans. But and it also, obviously doesn't work with fans. Also, this particular fan base enjoys a personality. Yes, they do. Thanks to Jim Bovano, thanks to Chuck Amato, that can go a long way. Yes. And to a certain and even extent, the man. and to a certain extent, Tom O'Brien too, because while Tom O'Brien was not boisterous, if you paid attention to what Tom O'Brien was saying, that dude could cut you deep. Right. Like Tom, Tom O'Brien was the king of stabbing you without you even realizing it until Tom it's too late. also won his first four games against Carolina. That matters as well. Yeah. And that's actually the one thing that's helped Dave Dorn throughout this yes. entire time. He's won five of the last seven that against matters. Carolina. But, the reason why I feel that Dave has now entered the herb zone is because of what's happening at Duke. Okay. What's happening at Duke, the, the combination of North Carolina looking at this once in a generation opportunity to get to the college football playoff with a generational quarterback. Yeah. And Duke having turned things around as quickly as they have and getting the attention that they're getting right now with Mike Elko has put Dave after 11 years of what exactly have you done? Now, Dave has been a model of consistency, man. Only two losing seasons. We could be looking at a third losing season, but again, only two losing seasons to this point, eight or more wins in six years. And he's beaten Carolina, as you mentioned, uh, what five out of the last seven years, they've beaten UNC. Those are things that you ultimately want in a, in a coach. But the issue is that the, the, the ceiling hasn't reached the peak. The, the, the ceiling doesn't have those I moments. I think that's that where he's the most to. like Herb. Yes. Right. So if he didn't live through the Herb era, he was there for 10 years. His first five years, he did not make the NCAA tournament. His very first year, they made the ACC championship game. They played four games in four days. If you don't know who Justin Ganey is, please go Google it. <laughs> after that, so old. after that, he had hired Larry Hunter, who everyone rest, rest in peace, man. Everyone gives a lot of credit to Larry, who was at Western Carolina and mm -hmm. came over and became his, I mean, right-hand man. Helped him change for sure. Five straight NCAA trips. Herb finished in the top three. How many times in the top three of the regular season standings did Herb Sendek finish in the top three? Once? Twice. Twice, okay. Twice. So yeah, they made the ACC title game three times. I mentioned 97, 02, and then of course 03, mm -hmm. where they had it. Yeah. So 03 becomes like his white whale. Um, then his best team was actually in 04. That was the one that went 11 and 5 finished second in the league. They had this epic collapse in the NCAA tournament to Vanderbilt, mm -hmm. the Matt Freege game. Oh boy, Again, I was there for that one. Get the Googles going in Orlando. And don't bring it up. The, the only thing worse than bringing up Chris Paul to Julius Hodge is Matt Freege. Don't Fridgey. do it. So now the, the comparison there with Herb was he also had some assistants who people clamored for. Mm -hmm. Sean Miller. We mentioned Hunter, but then Sean Miller, Archie Miller were considered, oh my gosh, well, if we could just get the Millers to take over. Yeah. This would be great. Yeah. Dave Doran, 11 years. You, you mentioned bowls. They've been to eight bowl games. It's not the same as it used to be, but still eight of his 11 years thus far been to a bowl game. Top 25 twice, which if you look historically where NC state is, that's a great rate to twice in 10 years to finish in the top 25 is very good. Mm -hmm. 
2021. His best team was in 17. They went nine and four. They lost to South Carolina in a game statistically that should have never happened. They outgained South Carolina by 400 yards and still managed to lose the football game. Right. Uh, They lost at Notre Dame, lost to Clemson at home, and then they lost to Wake in a game that everyone and their mother would like back. He had assistants that are now people are clamoring for. Eli Drinkwitz in the case of his former offensive coordinator and now Todd Gibson, everyone, mm. Gibson, excuse me, Tony Gibson. Tony Gibson, everyone's like, oh my goodness, they can't let Tony Gibson go. He's the real coach of this team. They got to hang out. Like there's a big, there's some big Sean Miller energy going on mm-hmm. with, with, with Tony Gibson right mm-hmm. now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and here perhaps is the most, and we talked about the differences. Dave does have the success against Carolina. Herb did not. Um, now, Herb Sendex ACC record, which I did not know. Obviously, you play basketball, you play more games. So I'm just going to give you, sure. I'll give you Herb Sendex winning percentage over 10 years at the mm-hmm. ACC. 0.450. Okay. Just under 500. Dave Doran, as we sit here today, his ACC win percentage, 0.459. No. <laughs> like, no. I couldn't have come up with that. I, I couldn't. Could not have. Yeah. I mean, look, a, a 30, a 39 and 46 ACC record. And it's not just all Atlantic, by the way. Uh, sure. Because everybody wants, well, it's the division, it's division. And that actually, uh, you can look at some of those losses to coastal teams as well. Now, I, I will say this, though. I do think there is a path forward for Dave. And that is? <laughs> it's the classic NC State path of wait till next year. Yeah. See, I'm more willing to look at this oh, year and can we, say. Can we put a pause right there? Yeah. Dave is not in any sort of job trouble. No, 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 no. Dave has plenty of allies. Dave has allies. Dave has job security. He's not going anywhere. The point of this conversation is, can you envision a scenario where Dave, and he's flirted with it, okay? He's flirted with it. Sure. That Dave hits the full herb zone and says, yeah, man. It's not worth it. It's not worth it to keep it going here because everybody's made up their mind and it's every loss becomes a referendum. You could have a good season and every loss becomes a referendum. Yeah, it becomes a yeah, but. Right. Yeah, but. Yeah, but. Yeah, but. You get sick of that shit after a while, man. I laid this scenario out last year when the Arizona state job was open. Okay. Okay. Which would have been even more hysterical. <laughs> like anyway, I, I, I do think there is a path for Dave in the program and because it is the classic NC state wait till next year, the, the Paler and Richie, the two kids who played against each other actually last Friday night. Mm-hmm. If you have a recruiting class, hope is always the way home. Yeah. That also includes though, MJ Morris and Kevin Concepcion still being on the football team going forward. <laughs> So these are all tricky things. They have they to are. get better out of the portal. They have to start doing some things to help themselves. But I actually do see a way home. Unlike Herb's situation, which I thought did reach DEFCON zero, mm-hmm. I think Dave's more of at like a two. Okay. Now, I, I think it's in his best interest the day after Thanksgiving to not let Carolina come in here oh, you and can't run get them your ass out beat. of the gym, Herb oh, no. style, because you got to remember... no. The game where they lost at home by 26 is where Herb lost the fans. If NC State gets their ass handed to them, I'm thinking about opening up a live stream yard. Well, we will. And giving the link out. Well, we will. No, giving link out to the people so they can just join in in. and just jump in. I'll get you in the green room and bring you up. I'm like, I'm considering this. Uh, No, I think we absolutely should. It's like, how do I take live calls? I know. All our conversations about college football brought to you by Wings Over. Wings over Raleigh, wings over Chapel Hill, wings over Greenville. I hit wings over this past weekend. Uh, shout out to my guy, Marco. He always does the tendies. The wings are great, but he always does the Wendy, the, the tendies because he doesn't want to work all that hard. And he's also a dry rub guy. Highly recommends that. I tried the Spooktober special 
mm-hmm. of the Cajun garlic dry rub. It was really, really good. But you know me, I ride for that hot lemon pepper, man. That's where I'm at. Hot lemon pepper is where it's at, just like you got yours. Sweet chili, Hillsborough Street, order online, wingsover.com. Go park for free in the back. Pick up your order. You'll enjoy it. Big thanks to Mosquito Authority and Pest Authority for sponsoring Obias and Jillio. Check them out, bugsbite.com. Uh, it is getting cooler out, but it's still uh, a little bit humid. M- mosquito activity can still be out there, so make sure you get that handled, of course, with the critters trying to get in the house. You know, it's cold, you know, looking for warmth. Hey, bugsbite.com is where you need to go. Hayes Lancaster, the OG, OG. Check them out, bugsbite.com. Check out all those great offers and coupons. Save yourself some money. Get rid of the critters in your house, outside the house, you name it. Mosquito Authority, Pest Authority can handle it. Also, thanks to Matt Davis over at State Farm. Check out insuregarner.com, voginsurance.com, or call them directly at 919-779-8277. And then there's this ring of fire thing that's taking place on Saturday. Anybody can come to this? Absolutely. All right, Saturday. So need more information on this. All right. <laughs> well, it's a, it's a chili cook-off. It's the smoked meat and... Matt does such a great job over there. It's all the funds go to support the community of hope. Check it out on, on his Facebook page. Joining us on the Heaster automotive group hotline from the news and observer columnist, Luke Decock. Well, they're not going 82 and 0, Luke, what are we going to do with the Carolina hurricanes, man? Yeah, I, I, it's a disaster in the making. I just, I don't know what's going on here. I just want to point out for the record here that the last time the Hurricanes started a season like this, it was the this is hockey 0203 season. Oh man. Um, that's not yeah. not actually not actually well, the case. But was, actually, I, quick tangent, quick tangent. What was a worse sloganeering uh year? This is hockey when they were bad, and you could easily do the headline, this is hockey question mark. Question mark. Or this is our state. Ooh, I, I think our state just because it was so blatantly stolen. And I think they lost rise, rising defiantly from the triangle. It was just yes. flat out taken from LSU. Yes, that's uh, right. I yeah. forgot about that part. I yeah. forgot about so that. I'm going to go with that. This is hockey was great for that reason. It was the the Bill Maher, maybe Bill Maher, maybe social media's anti-social joke was like every every visiting writer was like, this is hockey as they looked at their and was it Duke that hit him back with an hour state? I think was it 2013? I think it was what when was it? Uh, the Devon Edwards game was that? The, yeah, uh, yeah, I think yeah. So. I think that was I mean, the ECU case. was not that ECU isn't always salty about all things NC State. Oh. ECU was particularly salty about that one. Oh yeah, what 16? 16 when they had well, the, that was the field logo. It yeah. was the field logo, in the but wasn't that connected to with our state? I felt like the field logo on our state, and it's all blurring together. It, it, you know what? You do this long enough, the stuff tends to blend together. Yeah. And I well, think- hold on a second. I just before we proceed any further, I yes. just want to thank you for the Aaron Rodgers Pat McAfee money. And I just need to check Venmo to make sure we're, we're good to go. <laughs> I had to get new tires for the car this morning, so I, it's especially important to that. Your revenue share of zero dollars because uh, we're just a small podcast luke now in all seriousness the, these things these things covered as bare the, the the things that tend to to run together is that we tend to forget in the middle of a hockey season this carolina hurricanes team is not in a position where oh my goodness the fair road trip is going to sink the season in october that it's so long gone but those scars are still there for people that you know what? A, a crap game against uh, the Ducks on a Sunday night is not the end of the world, but it does lead me to a question. 
Why is Jalen Chatfield the seventh defenseman right now? It's the it's the eternal question. I don't have an answer. I mean, we you know obviously you know Rob Brindamore has done great things for this franchise as a player and a coach, but right now his strange devotion to Tony D'Angelo is killing this team. Um, you know, look the Anaheim game. Andy Ronda didn't play very well in the first period. Team played pretty well overall. There were some funky penalties and special team stuff. It's the kind of game you lose on the road mm. when your number two goalie is playing. Like I made a big deal about the opener being the Hurricanes doing to the Senators what teams did to the Hurricanes when they were growing up. This is how teams, how the Hurricanes won games back in the day. They get the number two goalie. They sneak a couple past them in the first period. They get outplayed, but they win. Um, but the D'Angelo Chatfield thing, I mean, to me, sitting here. Right now, I feel like Jalen Chatfield earned the right to play ahead of Tony D'Angelo last season 100% unequivocally and mm-hmm. did nothing in training camp to change that. I don't know why Tony D'Angelo gets a free pass from Rod Brendamore, a coach who holds players accountable in so many other ways. It makes me wonder if Justin Williams were captain, if this would still be happening, because mm-hmm. I think Justin Williams is the kind of no BS guy who would go to Rod and say, hey, we can't. We got buddy. Um, And I don't, you know, nothing against, that's not a reflection on Jordan Stahl at all. He's just, you know, he's, that's not the kind of captain he is. He's a very good captain in different ways. Yeah. So um, I just, I don't get it. Um, I don't feel like Orlov and D'Angelo play very well together. And I feel like Jalen Chaffield is a better defenseman. And look, if Tony D'Angelo were out there quarterback in a power play that was zinging it around and and firing it every time. And yeah, that's going to take time, but it's not like he hasn't played in the system before. Right. I just don't know what you're getting from Tony D'Angelo. You want to play 7D at home where you can spot D'Angelo and, and use Chatfield in your own zone? All, great. On the road, Jalen Chatfield needs to be the sixth defenseman. I don't even think that's an opinion. Mm-hmm. I think that's just a fact, like the mm-hmm. firmness of the earth or the sky being blue. Yeah, the, the only benefit of the doubt that I can give is that if you feel that D'Angelo and Orlov are your pairing, and again, th- these are luxury items at this point, by the way, because the Carolina Hurricanes have the best defensive group in the NHL that you're willing to take a little bit of lumps here because you feel the payoff for this grouping is going to be there when it matters the most. But I'm with you. If it's about no nonsense, it's about, you know, getting what's earned, the, the culture that the Carolina Hurricanes have always had under Rod Brindamore, I do find the Jalen Chatfield shuffling here slightly odd. It just feels, it's all, it feels odd. And the other thing is, like, you're, to your point, oh, you know, we got to give this time because, well, look, we've seen Tony D'Angelo with a full season. We mm-hmm. saw what happened to him in the playoffs. We know in 2024, he's not the postseason answer. This is not a mystery that needs to be solved. You you don't want him playing in the postseason. You want Jalen Chaffield playing in the postseason. So why we're farting around with this now, I have no idea. All right. Um, Are they, has the sleeping giant woken up, Luke? Oh, yeah. Sleeping giant is awake. It's there. I talked about this yesterday. We think this is, it it might actually happen. It's there for the Tar Heels. That's, That's the most important thing. It's clearly there for the Tar Heels. They clearly have the generational quarterback who is coming into his own. The defense has experienced turnover luck. This is, it's there for them. Now it's yeah. just a matter of, can they actually pull it off? Yeah, 100%. It's execution now. And this is, you know, I think in Mac's mind, he's mentioned this a couple of times. This is the Vince Young year at Texas for them. This is, they have all the pieces. They have the right attitude. They've got some hard lessons learned last year. Now is the time to put this up. And, Addition by subtraction on defense. That defense looks way more coherent than it did a year ago. It looks like these guys like each other and like yes. playing for each other. Um, it's 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 a different mood there. So, yeah, I mean, I think it's all there. And then 
Now you add Tez Walker into the mix, and we still haven't seen Tez Walker's true impact on this offense because now that that Miami film is out there, Mm -hmm. two things are going to happen. One, UNC is going to have an alert on every play where if they see single coverage or, or, or no safety help for Tez Walker, he's running some kind of go route and they're going to alert and throw it to him because he can make that play. That's a skill, speed, route running, hands, ability to fight for the ball. So now he's taking the top off the defense. So everything underneath, Coppenhaver, Bryson Nesbitt, all the tight ends, the running game opens up. They're not going to face these seven-man boxes anymore. And, you're, and, you know, everyone's talking about, well, they couldn't really protect Drake May against Miami. They adjusted at halftime and picked up Miami's blitzes. And two, a big adjustment was, oh, you want to blitz us? Guess where we're going with the ball? Yes. Whether that was across the middle or deep or whatever, you've got Tez Walker to, as, as a release valve now. So I don't think you're going to see the same degree of pressure. In two weeks, Joe, I guarantee you, there's going to be a conversation. There's going to be a narrative about how much North Carolina's offensive line has improved mm-hmm. and how much better they're protecting Drake. I would tell you they're going to have a much easier job of that because Tez Walker changes the way that teams are going to play at UNC. Now, when you fold that into what you just talked about, everything kind of lining up for UNC, it's all out there. And it's crazy to think that UNC Duke may be a playoff game for a spot in Charlotte, which is what I thought UNC and State was going to be last year before State kind of yeah, I mean, state, state state kind of went off the uh, off the path, but they still did beat North Carolina. And yeah, I think the way that they're look, Riley Leonard's going to come back sooner than later, which I think is incredible, uh, given what we saw in the Notre Dame game and you know how it all looked. But I think if you're going to handle it's kind of like when we talk about Andre Svechnikov, right? Um, you have to have a little bit of gamesmanship as to how you're going to treat Riley Leonard's return. Would you bring him back for the Florida State game? I wouldn't necessarily do that. But you can take the Florida State game in, in terms of ACC wins and losses and have Riley Leonard 100% healthy for the most important game, which is going to be that North Carolina game in November. Yeah, I mean, that's a really interesting question. I think they're going to have a hard time beating Florida State without Riley Leonard. And the question for me is, and this to your point, so much of what Riley Leonard does for Duke is not necessarily his throwing or his running. It's the escapability and that yeah. sort of Mr. Clean magic eraser impact it has on the entire offense, ability to get out of trouble, the ability to turn sacks into first downs, um, you know, not designed runs and not necessarily scrambling, but just shedding tackles. Mm-hmm. Um, can he do that if that ankle is less than full strength? And that's, you know, hard to say. They really need that against Florida State with that defense and that defensive front. So, um, it's a question. Yeah. Are you willing to sort of do the gambit here? Give up the pawn. That is the Florida state game, hoping to make a deeper play against UNC later in the season and, and the other games too. But you know, Duke's defense is really good. They have a chance to go in and beat Florida state and Tallahassee with a half strength Riley Leonard. You do that. Then the UNC game doesn't quite matter as much. So I, I can kind of see it either way. I, I think if Riley Leonard is capable of playing, he's going to play because he gives you the best chance of winning that game. Now, a fully healthy Riley Leonard, different player. But I think even a Riley Leonard who's a pocket passer gives you a better chance to win that game. Because Florida State's going to have all kinds of weird stuff ready for Henry Bielen if he plays. Oh, easily. Um, easily. And, yeah, and it's going to be it's going to be tough to run the ball against that defense. So we'll, we'll, close um, on, we'll close on this. Joe and I were talking about this before we brought you on. Um, the Herb Sendek zone for Dave Dorn. Yeah. Are we officially in the Herb Sendek zone? hundred percent. I mean, I, I really feel like my, I was over at Carolina on Saturday, but, you know, kind of keeping track of that Duke game and, and everything that's going on. I, you know, I started asking people like not even asking, but telling people, 
there's no way out of this now for Dave Dorn, for NC State. The only way out is for Dave Dorn to pull a Herb. And that's, and it's, you know, that's, that's not a joke. Like, ha, 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 pull a, like Herb Sendek got tired of the atmosphere here. You know, everyone was kind of just tired of each other. And as Mike Patrick famously said, got run off for the more popular Sydney Law. <laughs> Uh, but in reality, he decided, you know, his life was going to be easier in a place where he wasn't demonized. Did that just actually blow your mind? No, you know, I have, there are certain things and we all do this, you know, you just try to memory hold them. And that was one of them. And I, I, yeah, I haven't thought, I have not thought about rest in peace, Mike Patrick. I have not thought about that. Mike Patrick was it. What was it? A Sunday night basketball game? That yeah, it was like the ACC yeah, or the yeah, ESPN Saturday or, night. Yeah, or whatever it was. Whatever it was, Clemson maybe. My, this was back when Twitter used to be fun. People lost it, lost it when Mike Patrick said that. That's how you know how old you are if you make that reference and people get it. I guess I dated myself. It's not. It's not. Us. We're not the ones who are wrong, Joe. It's the. It's the, it's the kids. It's the kids who are wrong. Trust but, me. Yeah. No. I think. I mean, like, a, and then you start wondering where could Dave Dorn potentially go that makes sense for him to sort of get? Because, like, do you look at this NC State team and think next year without Peyton Wilson, with this, no matter what you do in the transfer portal, with one receiver, you, um, you're, with, you're looking with, at seven or eight wins at best next season. At not best, a, I mean. Not a, not an ACC contending team, you know, just a, a another good, solid Dave Doran year. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's what people are grumpy about, right? They yeah. want, they wanted these last three seasons when they had everything lined. We talk about things lined up for Carolina, the yeah. last two years for NC state, things were lined up and it didn't work out. So now you're kind of back into that sort of seven, eight wins. And that's frankly what got Tom O'Brien fired that in the recruiting yeah. Um, and you look at the way that Carolina's recruiting, it kind of feels like a little bit of deja vu there. So, you know, you, you wonder where could you go? Iowa, um, you know, uh, <laughs> State. The same? man, if they get, if they get to, if Michigan state gets to Dave Doran, a lot of people have said, no, uh, I would be curious in a place like Northwestern, they've got the money and he might just have the kind of culture, uh, rebuild that he needs. Cause that's the one thing that Dave Doran's good at, man. He's, it's not like he's got a bad culture at NC yeah. state. The wins no, are along with it. The, the, the things that he does well, he does really well. You know, they get, they recruit players who fit their system. They mm-hmm. make them better. Um, you know, it's just, you, you see the same things happening over and over again for a decade on offense in big games. It's just, you start to, it becomes a little predictable. And I think that's become his biggest problem with the fan base is you just sort of feel like you know what to expect. And you're very rarely surprised at this point, but like, I think like a place like Washington state, a place where he can, you know, be in the woods and fish and, um, you know, they're probably gonna have to make a replace their coach this this spring. Yeah. Um, yeah. you know, like maybe that makes sense. Uh, you know, maybe maybe going back to somewhere like, you know, near Nebraska, you know, near Iowa, there's there's a, a play that makes sense there. I, I don't know. I do know he has an agent who will explore all those possibilities, whether mm-hmm. they want to be explored or not. Um, or did have an agent. I actually honestly don't know who his current agent is, but um, you know, he 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 did a good job of that with Tennessee. I think this year, if that sort of opportunity pops up again, um, you know, he may think more about taking it because I think everyone's just tired. I think it's just fatigue at this point. The reaction people had to the Duke loss was, man, am I just tired of this? And whether that's Dave Dorn's fault or not, the coach kind of bears that cross in the end. Yeah, that tracks. Luke DeCock, News and Observer columnist. All right, man, we'll talk to you later. All right. We kicked Gilio out of his chair and we brought Steve Wiseman. Upgrade? Oh. Uh, 
<laughs> you guys, he needs more salt and pepper like uh, your hair at this point. <laughs> so Steve, News and Observer, AP Top 25 voter, Duke beat writer. Uh, that's actually, speaking of Duke, let's start with Duke. Yeah. Duke's doing the, I don't want to call him full Aaron Rodgers mode, where it's like, look at all the crazy things he's doing. Who can believe he's going to be back this quickly? We've kind of done this with Riley Leonard, where it went from, my God, did you see how bad that injury looked? And he's walking off the field on crutches to he was, I knew he wasn't going to play on Saturday, but Pete Thamel comes out and talks about how he's doubtful, which makes me believe that Riley Leonard's going to be back sooner than later. Is he going to be back for this Florida State game? There's a chance. Oh. There's a solid chance. Yeah. Okay, yeah. then. So we'll see how it goes this week. Um, probably won't know it all. I mean, Thursday at the soonest, maybe. Saturday is probably when we'll know for sure. Okay. But maybe we could have a conversation mid to late this week. <laughs> a little update? Yeah. Are you surprised? Uh, uh, no, that was kind of what, like from the very beginning, like it was like maybe Florida State, more okay. than likely okay. Louisville. So I think that's where we are. I think he'd be pushing it to play this week, but there's a chance. Look, all I ask is that Riley Leonard is at 100% when they take on North Carolina in November. Because I want a high-level game between those two. How how high did you move up UNC? In the I point? had them up to eighth. Okay. So I was I think I was one spot ahead of any other voter with them. But I mean, it's interesting. Joe and I talked about this yesterday in terms of taking North Carolina seriously as a college football playoff contender because of their schedule. They don't have any fat on the schedule. It's it's all it's all power five. Right. Well, no, it's all it's not all power five, but it's all good app. FBS programs because app is respected, right? Right. Um, and app was the scare. Everybody else, they've dominated they at have. this point. Yeah. And, and to me, that speaks to something. And it their does. strength of schedule is on the same level of, say, Michigan, but Michigan is viewed as a national title contender and UNC isn't. Why? Probably because Michigan was in the playoff last year and yeah. Carolina wasn't. So that's yeah. kind of that's where the built-in stuff in the preseason goes into. But uh yeah, they're 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 playing. I mean, they beat a ranked team. I mean, Miami was still ranked last week and they they were down at halftime a little bit, but they, mm -hmm. they took control of that game in the second half. Who was your biggest mover in the AP Top 25? I think, you know, I moved Washington up to sixth. Okay. Um, which I wanted to move them a little higher, but I couldn't I couldn't make it work. I mean, nobody else did anything to fall. Um, they, beat, they beat Oregon, but mm -hmm. it was a last-minute win, but they beat them. Um, I dropped, I mean, obviously Louisville was the biggest mover down. <laughs> because right? the, the Pitt super weapon activated, that's why. I you knew what was going to happen. At some They're point. killing the ACC. They really are. <laughs> they really are. They're not helping things uh, when it comes to uh, helping the conversation around the ACC. But I guess the best thing that's going for the ACC right now is a problem that AV, every AP top 25 voter has. What do you do with the back end of the poll? Oof. <laughs> I will say I was in the press box at 2 a.m. at Wallace Wade yeah. going over my ballot. And I got down. I had to kick out, you know, Kansas and Kentucky because they lost. And, uh, and Washington State, who Arizona just destroyed yeah right so i'm thinking who am i gonna I come around iowa is six and one i had to put iowa in my ballot which like you know they can't score but they're <laughs> six and one and i i don't know how they got there but they're in i put them in at 24th i held my nose i put tulane in at 25th i've got them back in there now it's just, you're kind of scrambling at the bottom of the pull down now them being ranked is not part of the forensic kid contract is it because he no. has to get to like what 325 325 is the number that's the magic yep. number it's got to average 25 points a game over 12 <laughs> which it's not looking so hot <laughs> no, right now no it's, it's not. not it's not looking so hot right now that's that's unfortunate all right, so another team that um, I find interesting right now is in comparison to North Carolina that has this offense cooking, there's Florida State. I think North Carolina is the most complete team in the ACC right now, even with a, with a defense that's competent, yeah. a defense that seems to be experiencing some turnover luck. 
which they had very little of last year. Right. And that matters. Well, Shout out to the 2017 Miami Hurricanes who got to an ACC championship game solely on turnover luck because they weren't all that great offensively. So I do wonder, are we looking at what we expect out of FSU, the idea of Jordan Travis, mm -hmm. the wide, you know, North Carolina's got wide receivers. It's not just Florida State. I do think it's a much more comparable one for one right now between the UNC Tar Heels and the Florida State Seminoles. I, I do too. Um, and especially, I mean, Tez Walker's doing Tez Walker things, right? Yes. And um, that's what we thought he would do, be doing coming in. Keon Coleman is doing more than we thought coming in, but mm -hmm. he's fantastic. Florida State has guys on the, on the edges like crazy. Oh, don't get me wrong. Um, Florida State stacks. Yeah, but... yeah, yeah. But but they they match up very well. Both teams do. And mm. Florida State up front on defense is very strong. Um, but I think, you know, Carolina's right there with them. There's only one way to find out, and that'll be in December. In Charlotte. When I'm pretty sure that <laughs> is what our matchup is going to be. It's looking like it. Now, Duke will have a say. Yeah, um, they will. They got to play Carolina and Florida State coming up here. Um, really, back to them for a second. Mm-hmm. Riley playing against North Carolina, you could say maybe more important than him playing against Florida State. I would agree. Right? I would agree. Because if they can beat Louisville and Carolina, Duke, mm -hmm. they can get to the championship game, even yes. if they lose to Florida State. Yes. So. so, no, I'm completely with you on that. So, uh, protect Riley Leonard at all costs because it's one thing NC State gave Duke the edge in how they were not able to move the ball after that initial interception from Beelan. Right. And then once they, I think the second quarter when they, uh, turned another interception when they turned uh, MJ Morris's interception into points. All they had to do at that point was they, they gave Elko everything they wanted. Oh, cool. We got like a, a two score lead. That's it. We're shutting this thing down. Exactly right. Henry Beelan attempted one pass in the second half. Come on now. One. That's all. Shout out to the Duke social media team though, that had like the, the King Beelan the fourth or whatever. It's like, <laughs> I didn't want to be like an ass, you know, like guys, I could put up a stat line. What are we yeah. doing here? You know, Four. defeater of the Wolfpack. I mean, he, he had four completions. <laughs> But anyway, that's the thing here to over there. Steve, thanks for hanging out, man. All right. All right. Big thanks to Luke DeCock and Steve Wiseman for hanging out with us. Let's get out of here on some Hey Joe questions brought to you by Oakwood Pizza Box. Check them out. It's not Wednesday. It's Tuesday. One more day. One more day. And then Wednesday through Sunday. You yes. got it. Oakwoodpizzabox.com. We check them out. Great stuff. Get a square. The soon to be. OG pizza. I know you're very excited about this. Uh, I'm excited about Freddie taking the positive vibes only shirt like everywhere. He, uh, he, he tweeted at us. It's becoming my go-to vacation shirt. Looking over Charleston Harbor from Mount Pleasant. Positive vibes only. Absolutely love to see that. If you want an OG shirt, head on over to breakingtea.com slash OG and you can buy one of our several shirts that we have. The positive vibes only. Uh, the defunct teams for a defunct radio show line, and of course, bad for ratings. Another one from Twitter from Chase, big Pat Narduzzi vibes on the pod. All UNC has to do is beat Duke, beat Clemson and Death Valley, and beat FSU, and they're in the playoff. No big deal. If only it was that easy. Hey, man, Chase, you're not wrong. You're not wrong, but you know what? I'm going to print this tweet out, and I'm going to put it in the pit negative vibes, negative thoughts vase. We don't want that. No negative thoughts, man. I love, it. I love that he remembers Narduzzi, like just being with him. Hey, what, are you, what are you talking about? <laughs> Chicago State fan. Just beat Clemson. Just beat Clemson. What's the big deal? <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of the Tar Heels, this was on YouTube. Uh, and I think we've kind of answered some of this stuff. Has UNC beaten anybody that's good? 
mean, on paper, overwhelmingly no, but they actually have, in terms of strength of schedule, a pretty good run so far. Like, what do you all want? What do you all want? I They haven't played a 1AA team yet. They haven't played Virginia or Virginia Tech yet, right. who are the crappy teams in the league. Come on. Haven't played State yet. So yeah, yeah. I, I get it. There's not a bunch of world beaters on there. But relatively speaking, beating an SEC team that's not Vanderbilt is a good win. That's a good win. Uh, especially not in your home field. Minnesota is a good, good win. Minnesota is a, again, this is the, this is the big 10 that everyone's so excited over, <laughs> right? Like, why is it okay for Michigan and Ohio state to beat Minnesota and other crappy big 10 teams? Yeah. But when an ACC team does it, Oh, well, that doesn't count. They haven't played any cupcakes yet. No, they have not. Uh, this is from a Miami fan on YouTube. Heels have a hell of a team. Best team in the ACC with the best QB, best wide receiver in the conference. Of course, Florida state fan might uh, argue against that. Sure. Uh, Mac has the defense going well. Really good team. Hats off for the win over us. Stay healthy and go get it. Look at that. Like an actual reasonable Miami fan. I wanted to highlight this because he's got a Miami avatar. <laughs> Adam, the sports guy. Like, are you really a Miami fan? Because, you know, I thought there'd be all sorts of comments about more upside down use. But then again, when you beat Miami five times in a row, what are Hurricanes fans going to say, man? What are they going to say? All right. And we'll close out on some more YouTube comments. Uh, this is from Robert, to waken a giant implies they've been a giant, referring to UNC. When? Also, unless they go undefeated, they are out of CFP contention. Well, yeah. I mean, we pretty much laid that out on yesterday's show. It's there for them to take. Can they do it? Remains to be seen, but we shall see. Uh, From John, I think Clemson is much better than we are giving them credit for. You always like to point this out. Clemson has that game in them. Yeah, they do. And that'll be the toughest game that they play. I mean, Mm -hmm. Again, it's not a cakewalk. No. We are talking about a team that did lose to Georgia Tech on their home field last year because their number one receiver dropped a pass, like, inexplicably. So it's in there. I get all that. But if you were looking at, as you like to say, the most complete team, if you're just looking at the skill players, Carolina's got much better skill players than than Clemson does. Mm -hmm. I mean, there isn't a coach in the country who would take Clemson's skill players over Carolina's Yeah, UNC's got it. UNC has it. Uh, From uh, State fan for life oh man oh, i think that's zach poor zach uh hey joe do you, you guys have a pizza guy a wing guy a lawyer real estate guys do you have a snip guy is this in reference to a vasectomy well we can get one yeah i mean look i i've already had a vasectomy i mean we can get a guy yeah yeah <laughs> yeah i mean if you need us to yeah i mean i guess we could put that out there for march madness that's sure. the time that everybody gets vasectomies vast madness joe get your balls snipped <laughs> Sit on the couch and watch basketball. Let's go. <laughs> get the peas. <laughs> get, gotta get the frozen bag of peas, man. <laughs> that was the one and only time I ever took a volume, by the way. Was before going oh, to... Oh, before. Yeah, before yeah, going to the doctor's yeah, office. Yeah, you don't need to know. <laughs> I don't like people... Oh, I was I don't awake. Like, I don't want to see the pilot of my plane. Oh, I don't dude, want I was to see who's making my food. I was awake, man. Like, I was just kind of groggy, but I knew what they were doing. And I, I only want one question when you're operating on me. I gave it the, this is a layup for you, right? Okay. <laughs> Until I get someone tell me otherwise. <laughs> it's a layup for you, right, Doc? Oh, yeah, man. We got this. Oh, man. No shout problem. Out, also, shout out to David and Smithfield. You want to talk about OGs, man. David and Smithfield's going through it with NC State. <sighs> NC State's got a ton of problems. Coach Dorn, need to have some tough conversation with the older players. Need to have 12, 15 of them leave, bring in 15 transfers. It's that easy, guys. It's that easy. <laughs> Just go full Dion on it, man. Just go full Dion on it. That's going to wrap it up for today's show. We will see you Wednesday.
Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.